Welcome to the Peckway Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. At Peckway, our mission is to transform lives by connecting people with God and with each other. It's our hope that this message will give you hope and encourage you to take the next step in your journey with Christ. For more information about our services and weekly ministries, visit us at peckwaychurch.com. Worship today. It's great to see you here today. Come on. Let praise be a weapon that silences the enemy. Let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety. Let it Well, good morning and welcome to Peckway Church. Thank you for being here. My name is Scott Munson. I'm the worship pastor and uh, here at Peckway, and it's my privilege to worship with you and lead you in worship each week. So thank you again for being here today. Take a moment, look inside of your bulletin. You're going to find a great connection card online. There's going to be a, a connect link there in the chat window. But here at Peckway, we love connecting people to God and one another. And this is one of the best ways that we can help serve you uh, is 
having you fill out that card. So we ask everyone here to fill out the gray card online to connect that click link, or click the connect link rather, and uh, fill out that digital card as well. But this is just one of the ways that we can simply get to know you a little bit better. Um, and then also if you have any prayer requests, you know, there's a place on that card on the back that you can write those down or online as well. But we love partnering with you and uh, praying along with you. Also, if you're a first time guest, you can just simply take out your mobile phone and text the word hello to 717 717- 7872-5679. Again, that's hello to 717-872-5679. And uh, you'll get a quick text. Click that. Fill out the information there. Uh, and then we'll be able to open a line of communication through texting. Also, um, if you uh, need any information, uh, there's a kiosk out in the Welcome Center, or you can ask one of our ushers as well. You know, today we are continuing our sermon series that we've been talking about being fully devoted. And uh, as we've been walking through this study together over these last few weeks, perhaps you've asked yourself the question, am I truly depending on God? Do I have this deep faith in him? And some of you may likely have stories of times when it took great faith to take that next step with God. But others of you here today, you might be in the midst of a struggle or a trial that's requiring you to go deeper with God. And you're looking for answers. And I'm glad that you're here today because we're going to be talking about one of the great men of the Christian faith and how his life was an example of what it looks like to be fully devoted to God. So God tested Abraham's faith in order to bring him closer to him. And he did this not only in Abraham's life, but also many times in our own lives. So let's watch as we catch a glimpse of Abraham's great faith and the test that God used to deepen his devotion to him. This God is different than others I've heard men speak of. I believe him. He said that through me, all the earth will be blessed. He said he would lead us. We will follow. I have been faithful to you, O God. I have crossed the land on your account. Moved my family. Risked my life. I hold nothing from you. Even my only son. today of four tests that Abraham went, time, went through. You know, in times of testing, how will we respond? It's with a heart of gratitude that we experience the joy and blessing of God. So will you respond today with gratitude?
so thankful for the blood that Jesus shed for us. I'm going to ask you to stand again as we sing, as we continue our worship, thanking him with gratitude today for what he's done for us. Here 
walking through a test today. Jesus is here. He's in this place. His presence is ministering to those struggles, to those trials, to those needs we have today. Will you let him touch those places in your heart and in your life today? Because he has made a way and he's making a way at this very moment for us. So let's worship him, asking him to do that. Oh 
making a way in this place today. God, that we can depend on you because your promises are true and they are faithful. Your love is unending, God. Lord, as we come to this moment, as we look into your word, we thank you for the great men and women of faith who we can see by an example of their lives, how they believed in you, how they had faith in you, how they trusted in you, even when they couldn't see it, God even when they couldn't feel it. But you were making a way. God, I believe in this moment, in this hour, and in this place, and in homes, and wherever people are viewing today, I believe people need a miracle. And we know that as we've just sang in faith, that you are the miracle worker. So I pray, God, in faith today, that you would bring deliverance to lives. God, that you would... Help us to see how the test and the trials in our life, um, Lord, are how we can be drawn closer to you, God. It's not because you're mean or you don't love us, uh, but God, it's because you love us that you bring these things into our lives to help us to see how you're moving, how you're working, God. May you be glorified in this place today and in the places that are this is being watched. And we pray and ask this in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you, worship team. And I want to say good morning. <laughs> just want to make sure you're awake. But I just really want to say to you as a congregation, um, thank you for what I sense just to be this incredible, what I would describe as sweet spirit this morning of expectation. And makes me think of Jeremiah 29, 13. Most of us are familiar with Jeremiah 29, 11, that God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to bless you and prosper you to give you a hope in the future. But right on the heels of that, God says this in verse 13. 
And if you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with your whole heart. And that's what I sense this morning is this seeking for God. And as Scott said, we do want a miracle, but I, I honestly am not deprecating, diminishing anything else. I can't think of a greater miracle than meeting God in our hearts and in our lives and in our person. And so I just want to encourage you wherever you're at today. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for that sense of expectation because God fills that faith, that space with himself. So today what I want to do, as Scott's alluded to, is I want us to look at the life of Abraham. And the reason why is because I think Abraham is a model for us when it comes to deepening our devotion to God. And here's why, because Abraham in his life, I think, and as I've studied his life, really went through four significant tests. And God used each of those tests to actually draw Abraham closer to him. He actually used those tests to deepen his devotion. And here's the thing. Here's why we're doing this, because I believe, based on God's word, that God wants to do the same thing with the tests in your life in mind. These tests, God wants to deepen our devotion to him. But before we look at Abraham, I just want to say this to you, and it's important, that while, folks, we can study and we can learn how God deepens our devotion to him, we never know the timing of God doing that work. And so I say that for this reason, that we need to prepare for the test in advance. Because just like in school, we never do well, at least I never did well, when I tried to cram for a test. Or worse yet, when I had a pop quiz. You remember those things? I've discovered, and I've spent most of my adult life in one form of education or another, I've learned that I do best on the test that I prepare for, the ones I've studied for. And so what I want to do today is I want us to take the first step in preparing for these four tests. And the first step is this. We need to identify and understand and know what the tests are. And then we want to understand how God wants to use them in our lives. That God has a plan for these tests. And while even as I thought this morning about Joseph, who said to his brothers at the very back end of his test, he said to them, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And it's the same issue here. The evil one wants these tests of our lives to break us, to destroy us, to push us from God. But God wants to use the test to draw us closer, to reveal more of himself, to help us truly know him in a deeper and a more profound way. So what I want to do today is I want to look at what the tests are, and then I want us to understand how God wants to use them in our life. So that's the roadmap for this morning's message. And with that said, let's just jump into the message. The very first test God uses, he used it in Abraham's life, and he uses in our life, is a major change. Or you might even say a major move, but a major change. I want you to look, and we're going to be really building from Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to go, I have the references in Genesis for you, but in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, we read this, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Now, if you're not familiar with the story of Abraham, just let me give you the backstory to that verse. What was going on there is God came to Abraham when he was 75 years of age and said, Abraham, I want you to leave your home and I want you to go to a new home, a home that I'm going to show you. The only problem is God never told him where. And so imagine the scenario. I mean, just, you know, Abraham was a man like us, an individual like us. And so imagine Abraham saying to God, so God, where am I going? And God, in essence, said to Abraham, I'll let you know. And we said, well, God, how do I know when I get there? God said, I'll let you know when you arrive. Now, let me ask you a question. If God said that to you, would you set out for an unknown destination, an unknown place with nothing more than I'll show you? I'll tell you when I get there. And I say that because, folks, that was one of the first challenges Abraham faced in obeying and doing what God was asking him to do, an unknown destination. An uncertain call, if you will. He knew God was calling, but he didn't know where God was calling him to. But if that didn't make it difficult enough for Abraham to say yes, he faced two more significant challenges. And the first one, as some of us can or can't identify to this, the first one, the additional one, was his age. Because I told you he was 75 years old, so think about it. Abraham probably at this stage of life is thinking, you know what, it's time to kind of slow things down and take it easy. But in that moment when Abraham is thinking, you know what, now finally I've got to that place in my life where I can relax, I can take it easy. God says, no, no, no. I want you to pack up your family, I want to pack up your belongings, and I want you to set out on the greatest challenge and adventure of your life. God pressed him to step out in faith. The second challenge he faced was his wealth. You say, how was that a challenge? 
Well, let me put it to you in the scriptural context. It says that he had many herds of, of cattle and camels. They had many flocks of sheep and goats. It even tells us that he had 50 male and female slaves. In other words, Abraham had a lot of stuff. And in that day, there were no moving companies. And so if Abraham was going to make this move, it was up to him to pack it all up and transport it. No one else was going to take care of it. So what we need to understand is for Abraham to say yes to God, he had a lot of work. I mean, a lot of work in front of him to do what God was asking to do. And yet the interesting thing to me, the profound thing, the reason Scripture talks to him about being the father of our faith is instead of saying, God, in spite of the fact it's costly, in spite of the fact it's going to be difficult, I'll say yes. In fact, take a look at how we read it. Rather than saying no, rather than saying, you know, God, I don't know, Abraham said this. We're told Abraham obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. So let me ask you a question in light of that. Let's make this personal. Right now, today, is God asking you to make a major change in your life? And you know God's asking you to make the change, but you don't know where it's going to lead. If so, I want to say to you, you are facing what I would call the wear test. Do you know what I'm talking about, the wear test? God, uh, where do you want me to go to school? Remember that one, some of us? Where do you want me to live? Where do you want me to retire? Where do you want to make the investment? God, where do you want me to serve in the church? And when we're asking that where question, you know what we're praying, right? We're asking God, show me. That's our prayer. God, show me. But in the midst of that prayer, all we seem to sense from God in that process is God simply says, you know what? I'll show you on the way. Go, and I'll show you on the way. And the reason why is because the very first test God uses in your life and mine, he used in Abraham's and he'll use in ours, is the test of where. It's the test of telling us to set out in faith, set out in trust, and he will show us along the way where he wants us to go. Even though we don't know where it'll take us, God says, I want you to follow my lead. So that's the first test. The second test God gives us, he used in Abraham's life and uses in ours to deepen our devotion, is a delayed promise. A delayed promise. Take a look at verse 9, Hebrews chapter 11. It says, By faith Abraham made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. And he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him in the same promise. Now, I hope you notice as I read that, and maybe you caught it, that there's one word used twice in that verse. And you see what it is? It's the word promise, or the word promise. And here's why. Because the reason, folks, our faith is deepened and strengthened isn't based on explanations. It's based on expectations. It's what we believe and trust God to do. And we sang about that just a moment ago, that God is faithful, that God is amazing. So Abraham, what he did is after God called him to go to a place he'd show him, he set out and he eventually arrived there. And he settled there expecting, rightfully so, that God would fulfill his promise. Yet here's the thing, God didn't fulfill the promise immediately. In fact, if you really run the timeline of the scripture, you go through the book of Genesis, what you discover is Abraham lived another hundred years in the land waiting for God to fulfill the promise. And for a hundred years, in other words, for three generations, Abraham waited for God to do what God said he would do. And because Abraham was a man like us, we've got to believe, I think it's safe to assume, that during that 100-year period, that more than once, Abraham prayed, God, when? God, when? When are you going to do what you said you would do? Now, psychologists tell us, and we all recognize that, that, folks, we can endure almost anything if we, if we understand there's a time limit. In other words, if we see there's an end in sight. But we struggle, folks, when the marriage never improves, when the job stress never decreases, when the conflict never subsides. Because when those things happen, folks, what our temptation to do is to begin to doubt God's promises. And the reason why is because we intentionally, unintentionally equate God's delay with God's indifference. But what we need to understand is God's delays are actually God-designed opportunities for you and I to learn that His promises are dependable and His timing is always perfect. 
That is part of this delay process. So let me ask you today, is the burning question in your heart and mind this morning, even as you walked in here today, when, Lord? God, when are things going to turn around in our marriage? When are we going to be able to conceive and have a baby? When are my health challenges going to be resolved? When, God? And I want to say to you, if you're asking those questions this morning, then you need to know that you are facing the when test. But I also want you to realize, based on Hebrews chapter 11, that every single hero of the faith was led through the when test. Every one of them, God led through the when test. And the reason why is because as they waited for God to fulfill His promises, their faith in God's timing and their confidence in God's presence only developed and deepened, even if they never experienced the fulfillment of the promise, because they began to learn and trust that God's reliable, that He be counted on. Well, the third test that God uses to deepen your faith and mine, to deepen our devotion, is an impossible problem. An impossible problem. Take a look at the next verse. It says, by faith, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren and was able to, he was able to become a father because he considered him faithful who made the promise. I want to encourage you to underline that. Because he considered him faithful who made the promise. And so from this one man, and he was as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sands on the seashore. Now, again, a little biblical history, if you're new to this story, or maybe you're a little bit fuzzy on it and don't remember it. God promised Abraham, when he was 75 years of age, that he would become a father of a great nation. That's the way many of us learned it. It's the way the translation we're most familiar with. it. But here's the thing. The timing in this scene now is Abraham is 99 years old, and Sarah is 89, and they still don't have a son. And so think about that experience. Put yourself in there. So from their perspective, from a human perspective, they were facing an impossible problem, a situation they themselves could not solve. There was nothing they could do about it. And so for that reason, God sent messengers to Abraham and Sarah to tell them that their impossible problem was going to be solved by a miracle, by God's direct intervention. So take a look at what we read next from Genesis. He says, the messenger is speaking and says, where's your wife, Sarah? They asked him there in the tent. He said, then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Underline that. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the, at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I didn't laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. Now, folks, if there's any doubt in your mind that Sarah did lie, let me just have you think about this for a second. I believe it's beyond a shadow of doubt that Sarah lied because if a woman at her age, 89 years old, really believed she was going to give birth, she wouldn't have laughed. She'd cried. She'd have broke down. She, she'd have been devastated. But here's the thing. Even though Sarah laughed when God gave the promise, God had the last laugh when she gave birth to a son. And it's interesting what they named that son. They named him Isaac, which literally means laughter. And it's because Sarah, you know, thought God's joking. Because having a child at my age is absolutely, completely ridiculous. It's laughable. It's foolish. It's impossible. So let me ask you, are you sitting here today facing an impossible problem? Are you sitting here today thinking, you know, I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet. I, I, I simply don't know how will I ever go on without my mother, my father, my husband, my wife, who I've lost? Are you sitting here right now going, how in the world will God ever bring my child, my grandchild, back to him or back home? If you're sitting here today asking those kind of questions, you need to know that you're facing the how test. 
You're facing the how test. And if you'll trust God to work, even though you don't see a way forward, even though you don't think there's any way possible that God can solve the problem, then I promise you, your devotion to God will be deepened. It will be strengthened because God will provide in God's time. If you'll trust God, He will provide in His time. Well, there's one final test that I want us to look at this morning that deepened Abraham's faith and will deepen our faith. And this one, honestly, folks, is the toughest test of all, and it's an inexplicable tragedy. An inexplicable tragedy. And this test, I want to suggest to you, and I think you'd agree with me, this test, more than all the other tests, will cause us to ask the question, why? Why, God? Why is this happening? Why did you let it happen? Take a look at what we read next. It said, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice, who he had received as the promise and was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Now again, historical context. Isaac was approximately 14 to 15 years old when God said to his father, Abraham, I want you to take his life. I want you to sacrifice him. Now, let me say that and quickly say this, folks. God had no intention. We understand that from the God's word and God's character. God had no intention of letting Abraham take Isaac's life. But here's the thing. Abraham didn't know that. We know it in, in hindsight. We know that historically, biblically. But Abraham didn't know that. All he knew was God was asking him to take the life of the boy that he gave him and fulfilled his promise with. And when we think about that, even now, many of you, even though you're familiar with the story, when you think about this story, your first response, my first response, is to ask, why, God? Why would you even do that? Why would you even make that request? But I want you to notice Abraham's response, because it's so different than ours. Here's what we read next. It said, Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did raise Isaac back from death. In other words, what, what the Hebrew writer is telling us is Abraham thought about God's ask, and he concluded, you know what, God is God. And therefore, God can ask whatever he wants of me, however foolish, illogical, unreasonable it seems to me. But more than that, the Hebrew writer is telling us that he reasoned that if God could give him a son at 100 years of age and his wife 90 years of age, then raising him from the dead wouldn't be any more difficult or any more impossible. And so in faith... Abraham stepped forward and, and did, attempted to do before God stopped him, the very thing God asked him to do, and that was to sacrifice Isaac. So let me ask you in that context, are you struggling today with an inexplicable tragedy in your life? Are you sitting here today saying, God, why did I lose my job? Why did my spouse have an affair? Why did I have a miscarriage? Why did I lose that parent, that partner that meant so much to me? Are you sitting here today struggling with an inexplicable tragedy? I want you to know if you are, then I want you to know a couple things. First, I want you to know it's okay to ask God questions. It's okay for us to ask God why and how and where, and when. I want you to know it's okay. In fact, Abraham and every other hero of the faith that we read about in Hebrews chapter 11 ask God those very same questions. It's okay to ask God why. But here's the thing, after we ask those questions, and if God chooses not to answer those questions in the moment, how you and I respond to the silence will determine whether our devotion to God is actually strengthened or it falls apart. Will it grow stronger or weaker? Because when you and I faced unanswered questions, the hows and whys and the wheres and the whens of life, and God doesn't answer, folks, the reality is we choose. Whether we intend to or not, we choose whether we're going to trust or mistrust God. And in that moment, our devotion will either grow stronger or weaker. And so here's what I want to say to you folks. While there's absolutely nothing wrong with us asking God for questions, 
like how and why and where and when, we need to understand that if God explained every question we had and gave us an answer immediately to our where's and when's and how's and why's, the Hebrew writer tells us we wouldn't need faith. And he tells us as well in in chapter 11, verse 6, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. In other words, without faith, folks, our devotion to God, our faith in God will never develop, let alone deepen. And so here's what I want to do this morning. I want to invite you to evaluate your devotion to God. You say, how do I do that? Well, let me suggest this way. Ask yourself this morning, do I need answers to all my where's and when's and how's and why's before I'm willing to do what God asked me to do, before I'm willing to step out in faith, before I'm willing to believe God can do the impossible? Because if the answer to that question is yes, folks, then we need to know that our, the depth of our devotion isn't as deep as God wants it to be, and it needs to be. Or to say it another way, folks, the reality is our devotion to God needs to go deeper. Because the reality is deep devotion to God means we live by faith and not just sight. There's nothing wrong with sight, but it means we do more than that. Let me say it another way. Deep devotion to God means we live in the realm of expectations and not just explanations. That we leave room for faith. And that's why God allows us at times to face tests where we have to choose to trust his character, where you and I have to choose to believe his promises, where you and I have to choose to rely on his timing, where we have to choose to trust in his love, even when we don't understand where and when and how and why. Because by trusting his lead when we don't know where, And waiting on his timing when we don't know when, and relying on his help when we don't know how, and resting in his plan when we don't know why, our faith in God is strengthened, our devotion to God is deepened. One of my favorite stories, one of the most intriguing stories, encounters Jesus had for me was a man who was desperately ill came to Jesus seeking and looking to be healed. And Jesus, in response to that, asked him what I think is one of the oddest questions a man has ever asked another human being. And that is, in the face of this man coming to Jesus, being ill, desperately ill, Jesus said, do you want to be well? Do you want to be healed? And the man answered the way I would have answered, and I think any of us would answer, well, yes, Jesus, I do. And then Jesus asked another question. He says, do you believe? And I want you to hear what the man said. It's there on your outline. He, the man said this. He was incredibly honest, incredibly self-aware. He said, Lord, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. Do you see the tension? Lord, I believe. But I know there's a part of me that doesn't believe. Help me to believe. And the thing I love about Jesus is in response to that honest answer, Jesus said, good enough for me. And he healed him. Now, folks, if in response to this man's faith, Jesus was willing to heal them. On the response to the statement, he said, Lord, I believe, help me with my unbelief. Jesus thought there was enough faith there to heal him. Then what do you think? Do you think when we say, Lord, I don't know when, but I believe, help me with my fears. And Lord, I don't know where, but I believe, help me with my doubts. And Lord, I don't know how, but I believe, Help me with my worries. And Lord, I don't know why, but I believe. Help me with my grief. Do you think that's enough faith for Jesus to deepen your devotion to him? Folks, I absolutely believe that rather than allowing the difficulties and disappointments in our life that many of us are facing here today, I know you're facing them. Rather than allowing those disappointments and difficulties to destroy our faith and our devotion to God, can we instead choose to allow it to deepen our faith and our devotion to God? Because if Abraham teaches us anything, he teaches us that we can trust God because his promises are reliable and his timing is always perfect. Let's bow our heads for prayer.
with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I, I want this to be a personal moment for you, a time between you and the Lord. And how I want to do that is I just want to ask you in complete honesty, are you facing one of these tests this morning, one of these four tests? Are you here today and, it, and it, before God and, and honest with yourself, you're saying, I'm facing the wear test. I'm asking God, where do you want me to work? Where do you want me to live? Where do you want me to retire? Where do you want me to serve? Where, God? But in response, all you sense God saying to you is, leave what you know is not my will for you behind and follow me forward because I will show you the way. If that's where you're at today, if that's where you're asking, that's what you're hearing from God, then I invite you to pray something like this. God, would you, would you say to God, God, I don't know where. I don't know where I'm to go. I don't know where I'm to be. But I'm choosing today to follow you into the unknown. And so help me to face down my doubts. Are you here today and facing the wind test? Have you been asking God for what seems like forever? When are you going to heal me? When are you going to meet my financial need? When are you going to fulfill your promise to me? When, God? And response to those questions is, do you sense God's simply been saying to you, don't give up, but instead wait on my timing? If so, then I want to invite you to pray. Say, God, I don't know when you'll act, but I know you will act. So help me with my fears. Are you facing the how test this morning? Are you struggling with an impossible problem? What seems to you to be an unsolvable problem? And so you've been asking God, how am I going to get out of debt? How am I going to keep this marriage together? How am I going to get a job? How, God? In response to your how questions, do you hear God saying to you, I'll show you, but you need to trust me. You need to wait on my timing. If so, I invite you to pray, God, I don't know how, but I'm going to believe. I'm going to trust you to work. So help me with my worries. Finally, this morning, are you facing the why test? Have things been happening in your life that you simply do not understand? And as a result, you're asking God, why? Why, God? But instead of answering your questions, God's telling you, trust my purposes. Even when you don't know my plan. Even when my ask doesn't make sense. If that's where you're at today, facing the why test, then I invite you to pray, God, I don't know why this is happening. I don't understand why this is happening. But I believe in you. And I trust you. So help me to trust you. Even when I don't know your plan or your purpose in this. Wherever you're at today, whatever test you're going through today, I, I just invite you in this moment just to talk to God about it. And rather than having your devotion, your faith in God destroyed, I encourage you to let that test, that difficulty, deepen your devotion to God. Because you know in this moment, that God, God's promises are reliable and His timing is always perfect. Heavenly Father, thank You for Abraham's example and for his life. And even though you 
will not tell us when our faith and our devotion will be tested. You tell us that with your help, we can pass the test and that our devotion to you can be deepened, that our faith can be strengthened. And Father, for that assurance and that reassurance and that hope, we simply say thank you. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jerry, for that message. I believe we've had an incredible time of worship together today. And uh, perhaps you made one of those decisions as Jerry was talking that you're going through one of those tests. I don't want us to walk away from this moment and just leave it there. But I want us to take an action step. Uh, If you would, would you take out that gray connection card once again online? You're going to have that connect link in the chat window. But if you made one of those decisions, uh, we would like to pray with you. Um, There's a box there under my decision today. You can check other. You can write that out in that blank. Or if you want to use the the comment section that um, if you want to share with maybe the things that you're going through um, let us help you carry that burden and, uh, and pray along with you. Or if you just want to know more about what it means to go deeper with God, um, we would love to be able to partner with you in that. If you need a Bible, there are Bibles in the pew in front of you. Please feel free to take one of those. Um, many of the staff are out in the lobby afterwards. Uh, so if you need something, feel free to grab one of us and uh, we can pray with you. We'll, we're here for you to help you as you walk through these uh, trials and these testings of faith or just learning more about Jesus and journeying with you. So uh, thank you so much for being here today and uh, I look forward to doing it again with you next week. So I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you for being here.